Have you found the keys to unlock your best trip? On a Trafalgar tour, you unlock more than just the world. We give you the key to let down your walls and make lifelong friends. The key to discovering hidden talents and fresh perspectives. From one-of-a-kind experiences to iconic destinations, Trafalgar gives you the keys to unlock your best self. Discover more at trafalgar.com slash unlock. That's T-R-A-F-A-L-G-A-R dot com slash unlock. Tour differently. Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert. I'm here today with Dr. Millicent Ravello. Dr. Ravello, how are you doing today? I am doing pretty darn good. How are you? I'm excellent, actually. I'm, this has actually been a really great day. I'm just feeling, yeah. feeling like I'm ready to talk about forehead flaps. And we should talk about forehead flaps because they've been sort of on our mind lately. Oh, they've been a little bit. literally in our face. <laughs> it's been <laughs> like, a forehead sure. flap frenzy. It has been. It, it, it has been. I've, I've had a few uh, lately and you've got this case that, you, that we're doing together. Um, but forehead flaps are important because it's a technique of reconstructing the nose using the skin of the forehead. Right. And it's a, a technique that has been around for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Originally, I mean, some of the literature or data goes back to India, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, they were doing these kind of reconstructions. But really, I think it came into modern medicine, you know, in the World War One era, when they were really having to reconstruct massive defects of the face. Sir Harold Gillies. Yeah. He was the guy. He, yeah. uh, and... This technique is where if there's a piece of the nose that's missing, whether it's the tip, the bridge, all the skin of the nose from cancer, whatever, right. trauma, anything that makes a big defect in the nose. And for us, it's probably most commonly from cancer, right. but we will talk about our trauma case we've been working on yeah. lately. You can use the skin of the forehead turned down onto the nose, like literally making a strip, a flap that you turn down onto the nose and sew it in place so that it lives there initially supplied by the by the artery that that feeds the forehead skin yeah. and then once it's made a home on the nose we divide that skin bridge right throw it away and let the skin from the forehead live on the nose wherever we put it yeah, and it's it's super cool. It, it's a brilliant concept, um, but it's a little odd because during those four, six weeks, however long it's attached to the forehead, it's it looks a little odd. And the reason it has to stay attached is because, like you said, it carries its own blood supply and it needs to maintain that blood supply until the surrounding tissues of the nose have grown into it and brought a new blood supply in. But in that interim, you have like a, like a little bucket handle, basically going from the middle of your eyebrow to the tip of your nose or to wherever you've placed it. Like it's like a little mini bucket handle. Like it's so cute. There's but nothing it's, weird it's about that. But it's clearly not supposed to be there. It's an extra <laughs> appendage right in the middle of your face that you're walking around with. Nothing weird about, about that About, you know, it's at least the size of your index finger, if not larger sometimes. So it's odd. It's it an is. odd look. But it's not forever. It is not forever, and it serves a very important function because the nose is. These are really for 
for defects of the nose that are full thickness. And that means that not only is skin missing, but the underlying support structure has usually been affected or exposed. So the cartilage of the nose is exposed or it's gone. The inside of the nose is gone. And so you can't just put, you know, a piece of skin over that and expect it to survive. You have to bring something with healthy tissue that has support and structure and its own healthy blood supply. And we like the forehead skin because it's a good color match for mm-hmm. the nose. It's right. you know kind of contiguous with it. Yeah. And so we use it to really patch these defects with the best possible cosmetic and functional long-term right. result. It's, right. it, and, it, and it is, it's a process. You know, one, it's hard to, obviously you can't do it at one because you have to turn it down to put the flap onto the nose, but in two operations, it can sometimes be done, sometimes. but typically it's three. Typically it's three. And depending on the you know, defect and how extreme it is and how large it is, sometimes during one of the stages, usually the second or third, you can go in and put cartilage grafts um, taken from the ear or from the rib or from wherever you need to take cartilage from to provide support as well. But And that's even more of a reason to use a forehead flap because you can't just put cartilage grafts into a nose that's destroyed and has scarred no. up unhealthy tissue. You have to have a living, healthy skin and tissue with blood supply to support and allow these cartilage grafts to survive. So that's another reason you sort of have to go through this process if you're adding extra cartilage grafts to this messed up nose. I find that patients who go through the forehead flap, they they initially kind of look at you like you have three heads when you tell them about it (laughs) because they're always like, wait, what? You're going to do what? (laughs) Or they nod their head and say, okay, okay. And then after that first surgery, they're like, wait, what? (laughs) Wait, hang on a second. (laughs) What, what, what? (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) Now, what? you said that you were going to leave it attached and yeah, and and so what's that going to look like? Well, it's going to look like you have yeah. a very large piece of something, yeah. like a small furry animal on the, um, on the tip of your, front of your nose. On you your know? face. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but then it's so weird because they kind of get used to they it. They kind of get used to it. And they then they really kind of just like rally and they're like, oh, whatever. Yeah. What are you looking at? Yeah. And they, they go, <laughs> like I remember my friend told me, like I had to do this for one of my friends who had a basal cell on his nose and he's like, he's like, well, I was at lunch the other day. Like, and he still had the flap on. I was like, so you went to lunch like that? He's like, oh, oh yeah. Well, th- yeah, of course. Yeah. And he just was like, yeah, no, dude, I, I have work to do. And like, he just was like, don't even work. It's nothing. It, it didn't even phase him. It was kind of like, okay, well, if I, that's fine. All right. Yeah. And he uh, yeah. didn't cancel yeah. his meetings. Didn't oh, just he like show up with his forehead flap. I you mean, know? you got to do life, right? You got to do it. Totally. Yeah. And if you have a problem with this, whatever. It's your problem. It is your, it's over there with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, sir, is over there with you. I'm going to have my forehead flap and I'm going to get my nose reconstructed and tough toenails. Yeah. That's how it goes. Yeah. And, but they do, they get used to it and then they, they rally around it. And then, you know, when they're reconstructed, they're like, you know, went by fast. Yeah. Yeah. Because you do want the great reconstruction. You don't want to have to put a skin. A skin graft doesn't work because it looks like a postage stamp or something that you put right. there. Right. It does not look good. In in a pinch, you can do it. It's not good, though. It's, just especially, not, it's not my favorite. Especially if you have a big, thick defect that's gone through all the layers of the nose. You, you can't. There's no way. you got to put something that's nice and hearty and has some support to it. And you want the color match. I mean, and the color match. This is the big issue. Yeah. I mean, it's really... You need it to look great. And 
you know, it's on your face. It's not. Right. So let's um, get a little nerdy and geek out a little bit here. Let's talk about the sub. Wait, aren't we already doing that? I thought we were already doing that. <laughs> okay. Geek out a little bit more. more. A little right, bit good. more. I'm down. So let's talk about the subunit principle. Ah. Right? Yes. That's very important. That's a good one. The patients always they don't, look at me. Yeah. They, they kind of go like, That doesn't whatever, seem like doc. a good idea. <laughs> yeah. So that, I don't know. So let's talk about. So the subunit principle is espoused by uh, Fred Menick and uh, uh, the late Gary Burgett. They were really big proponents yeah. of this and they wrote books about it and all that. And um, it, the concept is, is that if there's a, that the nose is built in, in subunits, there's the tip and then there's the soft triangle of the nostril and then there's the nostril and then there's the dorsum, the bridge. And, and that these pieces are all parts of, you know, the whole and that if you if you take some aspect of a subunit to reconstruct it you should remove the entire subunit, subunit. all the normal skin of that subunit right which is a little bit of a terrifying prospect even to the surgeon and, and you know especially when you're starting out and doing these so then yeah the nose is divided into subunits and they are all very much unique aspects of the nose they all blend to make the nose look like a nose but they're all very unique morphological aspects of the nose and so kind of the theory or the dogma is that if you have more than 50 percent of any one subunit missing you should just remove the whole subunit and replace it so that means that if you have 50 percent of the tip of your nose missing you should cut out the whole tip of the nose or if you have 50% of the sidewall of your nose, you should cut yeah. out the whole side of your nose. So it's a little bit terrifying to go in there and cut out what appears to be very healthy, happy, normal, normal skin. skin. But the idea is that it makes the reconstruction look better because we as humans are designed to find asymmetry. And asymmetry in a subunit, when it's partially patched up with the reconstruction is way more obvious than if the entire subunit has been patched up. Yep. That's the theory. That's the theory. <laughs> I don't do that. Do you do that? Um, I, I think I do to a certain extent. I, the one to I have, a certain extent I do. The one I have the hardest one is the nasal tip. Like the nasal sidewall, sure. The, the Kaimela, you know, they're, yeah. yeah, whatever. Like parts that are straight, parts that are onto the side. It's easier for me to wrap my head around it. But the tip of the nose, I have a really hard time taking the whole thing out because that's such a distinct yeah. part of the nose. And it's, you're taking normal and substituting it with, I mean, it's still normal, but you're making the scar. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the subunit principle when it comes to certain aspects of reconstructing the nose i'd rather just be artistic and i'd rather look at the the defect and and try to make something that works with the contours of the nose and and maybe there's a different way to make different subunits but i i just don't uh i don't know i'm not like i don't love the concept of taking away so much normal especially some of those subunits are big some of them are really big yeah it's like, oh, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, I, I just feel that I can make something that, and I've done this many times and I can show you lots of examples of my forehead flaps where I've basically taken the defect and made it contour to what's there. 
and making it more more of a uh, reflection of the injury or the problem rather than trying to say, well, you know, I've missed the, I'm missing this whole whole part or whatever. It's just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I like that concept. I suppose if you don't have that eye, then you can rely on it. It's a way to go. But for me, it's just, I I did a few like that back in the day and I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. And I didn't like the results because of it. And, and I felt more that I could have contoured those defects and made them, you know, maybe trim a little bit or something and just change it up. But, but taking that whole subunit out just gives me That's, gives me chest pain. I know because it can be. Lo- I mean, it's, it's they can be big. Yeah, they can be very large. And you're talking about things like the nostril rim, which is so hard to fully oh. reconstruct on on anybody. It's it's a little hard. Well, maybe you should write your own book and, uh, and call it the non subunit principle of I forehead it. flap reconstruction. You need time to write the non subunit principle. <laughs> no, I think it's. I, I think if I if I were to to characterize my approach to, to, you know, nasal reconstruction in general, you know, I'd say it's basically, uh, an architectural approach. So if, I imagine that there are architectural plans for that nose that I'm looking at and what they might say is that the, the inside is lined with mucosa like this. Yeah. And then the cartilage is like this and the muscles do this and the fascia does this and the, and, and I envision the plan that would describe that nose and so then when there's a problem, there's a defect or something, I, I go back to what the plans should have looked like. And then I, I try to recreate those plans. Right. And that architectural pro- approach to reconstructive rhinoplasty, and maybe that's the title of the book, has given me a lot of freedom to really solve big problems because I'm not boxed into subunits and I'm not boxed into you know, oh, this, you know, in the Dallas rhinoplasty textbook, it has to be a third, a third, a third, and this degree and this. I mean, that's, you know, I like the Dallas rhinoplasty textbook. No offense to that textbook. It's amazing. But for me at this point, it's too, it's too simplistic. Too formulaic, yeah. And I think when you're starting that you need that. It's a good way to think about it. And, but as you get on into, you know, I'm very old now and uh, (laughs) you have to kind of think there's a better, there's more artistry that you can bring to the table. And that's why these forehead flaps to me are so incredible because you, you can ask them to do a lot and they can do a lot. You know, you can make the lining of the nose as we did with uh, our patient with the dog bite, you know, we're able to fold it in and then bring it around on itself and make the tip. And it's just super cool. Speaking of geeking out. (laughs) Yeah. We took that one and went with it, but I think, I think you're absolutely onto something and I love that. I I love that approach as well. Yeah. I mean, I think subunits are a good way to think about it, but then you can also look and be like, well, maybe there's, you know, maybe if we never think about the subunit principle, (laughs) (laughs) of course we're going to use the subunit principle. Of course we are. But maybe, maybe maybe if we never look at that again, it might be fine. We just won't. But, but it is, it is the, the, the key, the take home message of that is, is have a plan, you know, have some approach, have some way that you are going to think about it so that you're not just, you know, slapping a piece of meat onto the nose to try to make it look nice. It doesn't work. No, for sure you need to really think about it from a from an architectural standpoint and if you want to use the subunit principle I'm, I'm back at 100%. If you want to use, you know, proportions that are, you know, written out in textbooks, you can use that as 100%. But if you're if you're seeing things that don't make sense, don't just do it because it's dogma. Right. Right. I think when you're a slave to dogma, you're going to you're going to 
not make the best results possible. It'll work, of course. I mean, those principles work and they're, they're amazing, but I just, I, I really want artistry. I like, I, I scream for artistry in plastic surgery. It's what I want. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, thanks. I don't, I don't know if that's going to help our listeners, but <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's really key. I mean, I, I guess when you're sitting there thinking I have to have this forehead flap, you know, how do you find somebody that does it? I, you got to look at all the, look at the, the before and afters. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we do a fair number of these for, you know, for people that are mostly doing aesthetic surgery. Yeah, you no, know? it's and it's usually like you said, our patients with with cancer is probably the biggest one we see. Yeah, basal cell cancer, basal cell or, cancer, or squamous, you know, squamous the, cell. The most surgeons, the dermatologists, have to take out you know sometimes really large sections of skin, and the nose is not some place that you can easily you know reconstruct large or even small defects. Like so, we do use the forehead flap for that, not uncommonly. Um, but like in our patient we had just recently, it was a dog bite. So dog took off the tip of the nose, um, which, you know, I'm trying to think of like all the cases I've done. That's actually the majority of the cases I've done. A lot of what we did in my training and at County was pit bull bites oh, to the yeah. nose. I mean, I can't, I mean, we were like the pit hey, bull. Hey, no breed shaming. Hey, I am <laughs> calling it out right now. Because <laughs> do all dogs bite? Yes. Which dogs leave the most amount Ooh, of damage? The pit bull. The pit bulls. I do. They sure do. Yeah. They really do some damage. They're tough. Yeah. Because they They're take strong. they take a piece of whatever they bit with them because they don't let go. And when you're talking about very important structures like the lip or which I also did last week, the lip or the nose, <laughs> it's pit bulls. <laughs> I'm running a special. Right. <laughs> it was two this month. I need to get a third. <laughs> Pitbull owners, <laughs> take my card, keep my number nearby. When your dog wrecks your face, please call me. No, yeah. I mean they—they they are tough. I mean they're—they're they're amazing dogs, but they are amazingly strong. Yeah, and uh, they do—they do some damage. But I've seen damage from collies and and German shepherds and and Dobermans and Dobermans. Uh, and what's the other one? The little the other uh, chows. The chows. Oh, oh those, those things oh, are nasty. Those are mean. Yeah, I saw ones. a chow beat up bite off a six-year-old kid's nose bit yeah. it off yeah i did Gone. something last month Awful. from the chow i can't remember what it was but it was bad it was really bad <clears throat> all right so dog bites cancer uh i saw a, f- a farming accident that oh <laughs> and I, my favorite this is a horrible injury and i wound up putting the nose back on i didn't need a forehead flap but this kid wanted the pizza so bad that he ran through the plate glass window Oh, it was terrible. And then it, <laughs> it cut sad. his nose off. I mean, right down through oh. his through his face. It was hanging on by a nostril. Oh, I got to show you these photos. <laughs> and I was like, I think he was eight years old when he did it. And, uh, and it cut his whole face, cut his facial nerve, you know, branch of his facial nerve. It was a pretty bad injury. Sewed him up, fixed it, put it all back together. Ten, no, 12 years later, I get the phone call from the same patient. I was like, is your nose okay? He goes, not really. I broke it in a bar fight. <laughs> but his nose hung in hey, there. It made it, it to the made bar it fight. It made it to the bar fight. That was the good <laughs> it news. It made it to be broken. <laughs> yeah, he was actually, he was great. He turned out to be a quarterback of his college. Oh, cool. he, was, he was a really big Aww. guy. He turned into a really big guy. But he, That's I mean, good. his nose looked great. It actually, he said yeah. he never had any problem. I was very concerned because when you cut through both nostrils, and this is where the forehead flap comes in, and I told him he may have needed one. When you cut through both nostrils, clean through the the airway, I was worried he was going to have contracture, you know, cicatricial contracture yeah. where the the, yeah, yeah. the ring wound 
Yeah, just, you can't breathe. Yeah. yeah. I told him, I said, it's a very distinct possibility, but he never had any trouble. He was, he was a quarterback. Yeah. You know, he's like six foot three and, and, you know, easily 225. And yeah. he did really, really great. But uh, the forehead flaps are, are there to solve those problems. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> that's where I've seen, like, I don't know. I've seen some really, really amazing reconstructions, especially done by Gary Burgett and Fred Menick. I mean, they're, yeah, they, those are, they just are the, the are masters. People. Yeah. But I don't know. We're getting a lot of them under our belt. We're, <laughs> maybe it's going to be Ravello and Calvert, <laughs> the masters of the forehead flap. You write a textbook, evidently. And that's that's going to bring them, right? Well, cool. Anything else about the forehead flaps? No, I think we uh, had more fun talking about that than, <laughs> than our <laughs> listeners are going to have listening. <laughs> They're going to be like, what is with these two? <laughs> well, we, we, we love surgery. Sorry. Don't listen if you don't love it because we do. All right. So this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is brought to you by Rock Spa. This is MediSpa, located both in Beverly Hills and Newport Beach, providing services such as Botox, fillers, lasers, and all therapy, as well as hydrofacials and all the aesthetic products you could possibly need. It's run by the medical director, me, Dr. Jay Calvert. Rock Spa Beverly Hills is located at 120 South Spalding Drive in Suite 340, Beverly Hills, 90212. The phone number there is 310-777-0496. And Rock Spa Newport Beach is located at 1617 West Cliff Drive, Newport Beach, California, 92660. The phone number there is 949-640-1111. You can go to their respective websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. Rockspa was created to help my patients maintain their aesthetic beauty in between whatever operations they have throughout their lives. It's something that allows patients to come in, get their facials, skin treatments, take care of all the Botox fillers and lasers that they need to keep up their beauty. And if they've invested in any of the aesthetic operations I perform, it's the way to maintain those operations. If you mention this podcast, you will get the member's pricing for your hydrofacial. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is the way that Dr. Ravello and I talk about the issues that are important to us in plastic surgery, but there's nothing better than getting to take care of our patients and do plastic surgery. Our practices are located in Beverly Hills, and I also have a satellite office in Newport Beach. You can learn about my practice at drcalvert.com and you can reach my office by calling 310-777-8800. And that will get you an appointment either in Beverly Hills or at the Newport Beach office. My practice is located in Beverly Hills. Our office phone number is 310-954-1355. You can also contact us directly through the website, which is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. We look forward to seeing you in the office for some aesthetic tune-ups. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.